Hey, this is Lee and Cooper, and we are back with another episode of Closed. Today, we are really happy to have with us Briggs Elwell. Briggs is the CEO and co-founder of RLTY Capital. RLTY uh, provides access to services and tools for residential and commercial agents, brokers, developers. Um, We're going to be talking to him a little bit about um, the model on which they launched, which was purchasing commissions from residential and commercial transactions, but they provide a kind of a full suite of services to brokers, agents, and developers. Briggs, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So um, I know you started your career related and went on to launch RLTY. Before you talk about RLTY and what um, the, the genesis for that idea was, why don't you talk about that transition moving from related and, and kind of launching your own uh, company? Yeah. So I got the, you know, the luxury of starting my career related, which obviously, uh, you know, a very large and sizable prominent developer uh, based in the city. And so after that, uh, I went on and I actually, I ran a, a couple of different small boutique real estate brokerages and it gave me the ability to kind of see both sides of the coin. One, what it's like to be on the building side, uh, and then the second is what it's like to help sell it. And you know, in in getting to experience the two different angles, I got to see kind of the inequities that exist between developers uh, and brokers. You know how challenging it is for a, an agent, for example, to live on a deal by deal basis, uh, to have to wait to get paid. Um, you know, sometimes not not necessarily having a good access point to communications, uh, and then on the flip side. The developers not necessarily having great relationships with the very agents that are coming to work with them um, and not necessarily knowing how to sell their products. And so long story short is um, that that led me to realize that I could come up with RLTY, which kind of helps bridge the gap, uh, not only between developers and brokerages, but also just helping agents uh, to kind of navigate the world of uh, of real estate. Was that... um entirely based on your prior experience? Were you hearing from brokers that you worked with that this was a specific pain point that needed to be addressed? Yes. What, what went uh, into the idea? I can tell you even back in you know my related days, uh, the number one complaint was always uh, compensation. You know, how quickly can I get paid? Can I get my uh, you know commission tomorrow? And that happens for agents, whether they're on site, you know, typically they get paid on a monthly schedule if you're an on site agent working for a developer. Uh, and then worse is if you're on the brokerage side, you know, you might have to wait months uh, and, you know, on new dev deals, sometimes in excess of a year. Uh, and so I, I heard it on both angles. Uh, when, I, when I left Related, I was overseeing business development for uh, the luxury residency portfolio in the city. And that was absolutely the number one, you know, complaint that would come through. And so we did a really good job as a company uh, of, of aligning ourselves with the agents. And in seeing that, uh, I realized that, you know, certainly on the brokerage side, uh, I could help fill the void on the financing uh, by creating you know, RLTY, which was the, uh, the key competency that we launched on was the advancement of commissions. Yeah. So can you, can you jump in and, and sort of explain how the, how the process works? Yeah, I mean, in, in short, you know, on on any deal, whether it's a commercial or residential transaction, investment property, or just a rental, uh, you know, a, a studio apartment, the second your client signs the contract, effectively you've you've earned your commission, 
you may not get paid until uh, the transaction closes, but you've earned it. And so we simply give you the ability to tap into that income ahead of time. Now, obviously, there's a there's a cost associated with that, um, and that's 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 you know how we built the business off of. Um, but an agent may need it for purposes of marketing spend. They could need it because they have an investment opportunity. You know, we've seen everything. I've I've seen an agent that wanted to advance the commission because they had an opportunity to invest into a you know a billion dollar development. And then we've certainly seen the the more difficult situations where it could be health issues. Uh, you know, it could be paying your rent, and so bridging the gap and providing access to that capital, um, you know, immediately is very very helpful for an agent, and certainly can help them also just you know at it, at its uh, core to expand their business. It could be Facebook ads. It could be you know paying for the car that takes you around to show houses and apartments. Are there Facebook? Are there- Facebook still around? I didn't even realize that. Oh yeah. Are there any? Um, yes. <laughs> are there any specific parameters right now? Like, can any type of agent go to you and and you know apply for financing for this type of uh, you know to get their commission ahead of time, or is it only available for certain kinds of deals, certain locations? Um, how does that work? So we've got a pretty uh, you know intensive proprietary underwriting and and pricing uh, algorithm that we work off of, which I I consider to be a a key differentiator for us. You know the concept of advancing a receivable has been around for for quite some time, but typically it's it's not you know it hasn't been the most professional experience. Let's put it that way for the customer. Um, and so what we've done is we can do any transaction, you know, we'll, we'll take it on up to a developer, for example, you know, we do a significant amount of business with smaller developers that at the end of the day, they've, they've sold say 60, 70% of their, their units in a small condo development. That's a receivable, just like a commission check that you're waiting for, um, you know, for, for a rental apartment. And so we give them the ability to tap into that revenue, uh, now, um, so that they can, again, you know, go buy another building or go do uh, whatever they need to do with that financing. But in, in short, no, we don't, there's no limitation as to where we offer it. Um, you know, we're pretty unique in the sense that it's not a loan. Um, you know, it's, you're technically selling us something and we're buying it from you. So that gives us the ability to be very flexible with how we structure the deal. Yeah, I was thinking about all the new constructions, obviously, that have gone up over the last five, 10 years, um, new condos, there's a sale and you can wait a year, two years, three years for a closing. It seems to me as if, as if there's a pretty robust market there, both on the sponsor side and the broker side. Definitely. You know, on the commercial side, I would say, uh, you know, one of the things that was very clear, especially now in the office, uh, you know, in the office market where you're getting so many, um, concessions, Sometimes agents will have commissions that get paid out on a you know ten year office lease over five years, uh, and sometimes it could be even longer. And so the way we structure it is we don't our our the expense to an agent is not going to be viable for us to advance a deal that's you know two three four years out. But what we can do is we can tranche it out, and so we automatically just buy six month tranches as they come due. Uh, and that provides, you know, effectively the same concept as a credit line for a, for an agent. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, as, as I explained, it's not a loan. You're you're selling us the receivable. We're just paying you a discount so that you get it today. But the in this in this example, the broker is still responsible for attending the closing, picking up the commission, and then um, 
uh, I guess, paying you back at that point, right? Correct. We, do, we don't buy 100% of the commission for the very reason that, you know, we obviously want the agent to still be incentivized in the transaction. Uh, and certainly our metrics as the commission gets larger and larger, we're going to buy, you know, a smaller percentage of it. Um, you know, typically we try and keep uh, at least 20% of the commission is left over for the agent after the close. Um, you know, it's mutually beneficial that there's still, uh, you know, still cash going to both sides at the closing. Right. It's like retainage in a, in a construction contract. You want to make sure that there's an incentive to finish the deal. Completely. Is, is there anyone in this process who isn't in favor of this? I mean, it sounds kind of like a win-win for everyone. Is there, is there, is there, has there been any pushback by any, any parties involved in the contracts? Uh, certainly not the agents themselves. You know, I can tell you as you look across some of the smaller markets, you know, throughout the country, there are firms that will provide a similar experience for their agents internally. Um, you know, candidly, that's fraught with some, some conflict. You know, there are a lot of laws that restrict what a brokerage can do for 1099s. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a very kind of gray area. And so sometimes the biggest would be if there's any conflict with the brokerage themselves, but the agents, you know, one of the biggest things that we do is we don't require the agent to disclose this to their brokerage. You know, it's a, it's a personal experience. You don't want to have to go to your manager and say that you're selling your commission. Um, and so that for us was really one of the biggest differentiators in launching the business. There are other people out there that do this, but uh, almost all of them will require the broker of record to sign off on it. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, we don't, we don't see that being necessary. Our, our, our transaction is with you, the agent. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of it. The restrictions, just to go back to your, uh, your comment there, Cooper, we, we, the biggest things that impact a deal that would potentially, you know, not pass are deals that may have a, you know, extremely low deposit, for example, you know, in, in Florida, we, we see di all the different markets have such different inputs. And in Florida in particular, sometimes you see half percent security you know, or, uh, deposits. Um, and at that point, there isn't much, you know, much risk to the buyer. If you're the buyer and you have a half percent deposit down and the market, you know, tanks by 10% all of a sudden, um, you're not going to close. Why would you? And so, you know, in most markets like New York for, uh, you know, the majority of New York, 10% um, is kind of, you know, the norm. And so that's enough of a commitment from a buy side uh, that we're not too concerned, you know, at the risk there. But when we get deals where the application has, you know, a half percent deposit, that's that's really risky <laughs> because, you know, there's really no there's no downside for the buyer to just walk. That's weird. Florida, unlike the rest of the country, very it's odd to hear that they're unique with respect to commissions. Yeah, we see the we I would say the lowest deposits we see and you know, we're not doing uh really the almost all of our business right now is east coast. We're getting prepped and ready to go to the west coast. Um but the Flo the Florida market is absolutely uh a different a different metric when it comes to um, you know, uh deposits. I was going to ask about the west coast because I mean, I'm really only familiar with New York and California. Um, in the New York market, obviously the broker's job somewhat ends after the contract is, is delivered to, to the attorneys. They're still involved, obviously, particularly in New York where there's a condo co-op approval process, they're involved in the inspection, but they're less involved. Whereas in California, the broker's stewarding 
essentially the entire transaction from start to finish. So how does that kind of factor in or how will that factor into the underwriting process out there as opposed to over here? I mean, we, we like that. We actually, we love to see the agent as committed as possible to the transaction. It's more so just if the buyer themselves, you know, not the seller, but if the buyer in the instance, you know, of those Florida deals with half percent deposits, the broker can't control that their buyer is going to close, you know, and if the market starts to collapse, um, there's no way for us, this, the security that's involved um, in the transaction is, is so minimal. Uh, that the risk, you know, you're a half percent deposit, you're talking about, you know, significantly below the amount that the commission, uh, the agent is potentially selling to us. So, you know, the, the financial commitment of the buyer in that instance um, is, is scary to us. In California, we don't, we, the, the deals that we've seen do not have deposits that low, uh, thankfully. Um, and, and, you know, a large portion of Florida, you still see the norm of the five to 10%. Uh, but we, we, I can tell you, we absolutely have noticed over the last six or so months, uh, a lot more deals with very, very low deposits in the state of Florida. Does Briggs, you mentioned before we started recording that, um, you, a large portion of your business is on the res on the, sorry, apologies about the small child crying in the background. Um, is on the. Uh, he's, probably, he's probably asking better questions than you are, so you can just let him <laughs> talk. He's in his in his second week of life right now, so he's. Wow, uh, congratulations! Thank You're you. in the thick of it. I am, yeah. Um, what? How does this process differ on the uh, commercial versus the the residential side of things? Um, you know, we, we look at every deal on a, you know, on a deal by deal basis. And at the end of the day, I would say that commercial transactions, um, the quantum that you're dealing in is always significantly higher, you know, in, in almost all cases, you're talking about, you know, sometimes multi-million dollar commission checks where, you know, the typical commission, uh, in, even in New York, you're looking at call it, you know, 30 to 60,000. Um, and so that, that, that in its own right uh, is a you know a differentiator between the commercial and the residential market. For us, from a, a risk and an underwriting standpoint, the luxury that you have on commercial deals is the landlord typically does so much more due diligence on the tenant, uh, and you know, or very frequently you have um, you know tenants that are uh, Fortune 500 companies. And so for us, you know, that's kind of that's. That's a gold standard for from a risks perspective because you know that they're committed, you know that they're going to fall through with their payments, um, and so I I might have gone a little too in depth on the question there, but in in short, we like commercial deals a lot because you know typically the players uh, you're dealing with much much larger uh, you know backstops from a security standpoint. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, but to me the mo the more interesting part from a podcast perspective, which is what happens when there's. Uh, a default, you know, buyer um, breaches the contract, new construction offering gets scuttled and they have to abandon the plan. Um, what What's your remedy? What happens in those circumstances? So, you know, historically, uh, just on a residential standpoint, historically, residentially, um, around 10% of contracts fail. Uh, you know, that's kind of a general number that a lot of people use, whether you're California, whether you're in New York. Um, and that, you know, it's a reality. It happens. And I, I, to answer that, I would tell you that, A, we really are an agent first company. You know, we're, we're here to support you. Our goal is that as you grow with us and, you know, start taking, you know, uh, 
taking using our other services, we're, we're helping you build your business, not not you know here to hamper it. And so, in that sense, um, when it happens, and it you know it does, it's a reality. We one of the things that we do when we underwrite is we we take a look at an agent's you know transaction history. And if it's an agent that has done, you know, one deal, it's not their full profession and they do it, you know, every five years, we're not, you know, we're not the business for you. Uh, but if you're out there, you're working, you're really trying hard and this is your actual main, um, you know, your main uh, revenue stream. At the end of the day, what we do is we simply transfer the balance into another transaction. And if by chance you don't have another transaction, we usually work with you through either a payment plan uh, or a schedule that permits you to hopefully get to the next deal, uh, so that you know we uh, we can get out of this together. Um, I can tell you that you know although we haven't been around for ten years, but you know we have been uh, for a handful at this point. Um, we have never you know had to pursue legal action against an agent uh, unless it had to do with you know false information or you know, getting out of the industry and just trying to run away from, you know, a liability. Um, we're here to help. That's, that's the goal. And I can tell you for us, like the, the most satisfying stories, we've seen it all. As I said, I mean, I've, I've had agents that are calling, you know, crying happiness because we helped them get enough money to buy a house. That's, you know, the positive side, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, you deal with the ones where it's not, not so nice. Um, but after the fact and after everything, you know, um, is done, the end of the day, we were here to help during a you know a difficult time, um, and we're we're here to work with you. You know that's our our goal is to have it so that you come out of it and you're a successful agent. And so, in short, I, I know I uh, I gave you a little extra there, but the the answer is that we're here to work with you. You know when the deal fails, we're going to help you. We're hopefully can help you if if you need more business. You know we can try and work with you on that front even as well. Cause one of the things we do is we actually get a lot of referrals, you know, the positive of being, you know, our brand at this point is uh, ironically, we get customers that call us asking to buy and sell, even though we're not a brokerage. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's, we're, we're here to connect dots and help agents to be successful. And so when those deals do fail, I would actually tell you is when RLTY shines because we step in and try to help you know, as much as, as humanly possible. Um, and I can tell you over the last, you know, 12 months when volume tanked um, has really been where we've, you know, we've been able to show the agents that we're here to help. Yeah. And, yeah, that makes sense. Presumably Sorry, through the, the, the process, the underwriting process, uh, you guys are good at, at, you know, searching for deals too that are, are less likely. I'm sure that's, that's built in, right? Find, trying to find deals that are less likely to fall through. Obviously, you know, things happen and you can't, you can't get 100% accuracy, but that's, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that is kind of a, a big part of the process and kind of the underwriting process, right? For sure. I mean, listen, uh, you know, A, with my background and our team's background, we've got a lot of experienced people from the real estate world. You, you know, we are partnered with Ryan uh, Sirhunt, which has been obviously great and getting feedback as to how we can help. Um, we have a pretty good eye and so does our, our platform at telling us which deals that we consider to be really high risk. Uh, again, obviously the biggest glaring is a low deposit. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no question, you know, a co-op is higher risk than a condo, uh, cause you have the board turn down risk factor, uh, that plays into it. Um, but we, we look at a lot of different things, you know, one of the, as I was I said, like one of our big differentiators is we're not just looking at the transaction. We really look at the agent. And so we take into consideration their history. What have they done? You know, where are they going? 
Um, all those things play into it. And that's where in the, you know, unfortunate 10% uh, deals that fall through, uh, that's where we're able to work with them because most likely they have a pipeline that they, uh, you know, behind them. I, I, I would imagine during, I don't know this to be for sure, but two things about the pandemic, I would imagine one, they're probably, I'm guessing there probably was a surge of brokers or agents because people were working from home. They were taking, many people were taking on second jobs, uh, trying to, trying to fill their days and hours. So was it, did, did you experience that? Was there a surge in less qualified agents and how did you navigate that? And then I have a follow-up question to that after. Uh, it's an interesting question. I, I hadn't, I'd never, uh, it's a very interesting question. I never had thought about that component of the last two years. I would say that if anything, you know, obviously everybody at the, at the back end of 2020 and then early 21, any agent who had been in the industry, generally speaking, had a really good run. Uh, and that was just after a really bad run. And so one of the things that definitely was clear, you know, post call it, I don't know, August of 2020, um, that weeded out a lot of the lower, you know, less successful agents, you know, a lot of them, unfortunately, at that point had to get out of the industry and go into other, you know, other avenues. Um, so I would actually tell you that the quality of agent probably and most likely went up. Um, it would be my guess. Uh, you know, one of the things that we are also seeing is obviously after the massive surge of volume that happened, you know, end of 2020 and in, into 21, um, almost a worse impact on the agents happened there because they all made so much money uh, during that surge. There were less agents, but more deals. Now you're dealing with the flip again, where there's less volume. And I, and I think that in my opinion, you're, you're seeing more people come back into, um, you know, into the uh, agent pool. At the end of the day, you know, it's no secret fighting inflation. Unfortunately, the one thing that the Fed needs to do is to get uh, unemployment, um, you know, in the in the wrong direction. And so my guess is over the next six to 12 months, you're probably going to see more agents start to show up. Uh, Riggs, you mentioned a, a couple of times that you're kind of you think of yourself as a as a partner with real estate agents and, and you're you're looking kind of after them in many capacities. Um, it sounds like your company also has kind of a suite of other services that you're working on um, to help help uh, kind of level up the experience of being a being an agent. Um, can you can you chat about a few of those? Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, one of the we always ask, how can we help? What can we do? And one of the more surprising things that uh, you know, I, I saw this having run a, a couple of different brokerages, but agents usually when they jump into this industry are not necessarily thinking of it as, you know, all right, here we go. Real estate brokerage, you know, I'm going at hundred miles an hour and this I'm fully committed here. And sometimes what ends up happening is you see agents that, that kind of skip a few steps in my mind that are fundamental to jumping into the space. And at the end of the day, you're a 1099. Being a 1099, you know, you don't have access or the ability to a traditional person that has payroll, you know, healthcare uh, on payroll. You're not managing your, uh, you know, your paycheck, right? Your your uh, employer is if you're a W two. And so we quickly realized that not only can we help in actually trying to get you your money sooner, uh, we can actually potentially help you in you know saving it and even you know furthermore making more off of what you make. 
And so we provide now tax services for agents. So if you know if if you are a general agent and you go to HR Block, uh, you know, regrettably, they're not incentivized to maximize your deductions as a 1099. You know, they want to get you out the door as quickly as possible. And so what we're here to do is we help you get everything set up. Um, you know, we actually do LLC formation, for example. And so if you need help with that, it partners with like, in my opinion, if you're starting as a real estate agent, the first thing you should do is set up an LLC. Second thing you should do is have a proper accountant. Third thing you should do is become a real estate agent, because if if you don't follow those steps, you are most likely not doing payroll correctly. You're going to end up playing uh, self-employment tax, which is, you know, significant costs on your income as a 1099. Um, and, you know, you're just not formed correctly. Uh, I can give you an instance of an agent that I had dinner with uh, at an event, um, I don't know, six months ago or so. And this agent the previous year had done three and a half million in GCI. So obviously for all uh, intensive purposes, top 1% agent in the country. Um, she did not have an LLC. And she just wrote a check to the IRS for, I think it was $200,000 in self-employment tax. All you needed to do there was to have an LLC set up and proper payroll structured. And you wouldn't have, you know, you would have saved yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so those are fundamental things that we're here to try and support and help. And depending on where you, you know, you fit in the, you know, in the level of involvement with RLTY, some agents, we actually pay, pay for it for you. Uh, and other agents, we give it to you heavily discounted. Um, but our intentions are to take it quite a bit further than that with financial literacy, you know, partnering. Um, we, we're going to be rolling out quite soon uh, with a, uh, a formal partnership on the wealth management side, you know, providing agents the ability to actually route part of their commission check directly to an investment opportunity. Obviously, there are tax benefits there, depending on how you do it. Uh, and then the biggest, which, you know, we're really, really excited about, um, and we're going to be going public uh, quite soon, um, but we're going to be rolling out a partnership with one of the largest healthcare providers in the country uh, exclusively for real estate agents to provide healthcare. And that one uh, is, I would say that if not number one, certainly number two in the demand, you know, and complaint pool for real estate agents, uh, you know, if you don't have the luxury of a spouse that's, you know, a W-2 on a healthcare program, it can be very costly and also very, very confusing to navigate the healthcare world. Uh, and it, we did, I, I honestly didn't realize how difficult that was until we started asking some of our agents and getting feedback from it. Um, and so, you know, that's an example of how we're just really, our whole goal is to, to help agents do everything that they, they need, um, but also not to compete with their brokerage firm. You know, if the brokerage is offering any of these things, we're, we're not here to compete. Um, but what we are here to do is to provide services that, you know, you may not be getting at this moment. Have you had pushback? I, I would imagine that, that um, I can envision a scenario in which a broker, a brokerage is kind of uncomfortable with your core, core offerings for whatever reason. Have you experienced any pushback from any of the brokerages? as you begin to kind of expand your suite of services, do you anticipate that happening in the future? So uh, the only part that we've ever had pushback on is the commission side. You know, the other services, there's almost never a conflict. And, and candidly, uh, as a brokerage, when you're, when you're holding uh, licenses for agents as 1099s, 
they really aren't supposed to be offering things like financial advice and tax and legal services. Uh, it's, it's a big, big conflict for them. Uh, so th- on that front, no pushback. But the commission side, when we do get pushback, it's, it's either one of two things. One is that the brokerage firm is already doing it themselves. And the ones that are doing it are usually very small shops, uh, you know, in, in, in not very large markets across the country. You know, you'll, you're not going to hear of the, the larger brokerage firms, especially the publicly traded ones doing it for good reason. Um, and so in those instances, we don't get pushback. But in the small firms that, that do it on their own, yes, there is pushback. Uh, but when we end up, you know, then offer the other services, um, they usually, you know, aren't, they're, they're not complaining in the end, I would say. Uh, and, and candidly, when I'm thinking about it, it's like one out of a hundred that have ever, you know, given us an issue on that front. Um, the other, the other side of the coin, uh, in the complaint side of that is when a brokerage firm considers that the, the, the offering is negative, right? So historically, there have been some smaller shops, you know, and, and very unprofessional uh, products offering this to agents. And that's where you end up with these instances where, you know, you hear of XYZ, you know, capital finance that's suing an agent at a brokerage firm because, you know, their deal fell through. And in those instances, that's obviously, listen, that's a bad that's a bad reputation. That's a bad experience. And when we end up walking through those brokerages, uh, the success stories that we have and showing them that we've already done business with their agents and their agents are very you know, happy with the product, that immediately gets rid of you know, that kind of negativity towards it. Um, but you know, unfortunately, listen, we, part of why we created this in the first place was realizing that the space uh, was very unprofessional. You know, nobody had really come in and done it in a you know, sensible, structured, formal business um, mindset. It had always been, you know, a small office anywhere with one or two employees that were doing this. Uh, And unfortunately, what happens there is when you're not at scale, if you have, you know, one person uh, advancement firm that's advancing 10 commissions and 10% of them fail, you end up with a pretty, you know, unfortunate dynamic between the the firm that funded it and the agent, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to be very well funded and, and we don't have to act, in a, you know, in an unprofessional manner. I, I um, had one thought and if you hadn't thought of it from a marketing perspective yet, I'll take a consulting credit on it. I would, I would imagine anecdotally, I kind of have heard that agents will leave brokerages for the typical reasons that most people leave a service provider, they don't see the immediate return. They feel like the grass is greener at another brokerage. I would imagine part of that is tied to delays in payment or things that are really outside of the brokerage's uh, control, but you have to blame it on somebody. So you blame it on where you are. I would imagine that you could almost market this to brokerages as this is going to increase retention. This is going to keep people happier. This is going to make agents less likely to go somewhere else because there's not going to be that draw, that appeal of, of faster money, more money faster. But maybe you're already doing that. So uh, I would say that we are already doing it, but not exclusively on the commission side, like you just said. So 
the commission side, absolutely. Um, we are we're building out a platform that we're we're pretty close to being finished with that actually brokerages could integrate within their platforms uh, to pay out the agents. And we're actually going to be offering our services white label. So a brokerage could actually, you know, effectively from a branding standpoint, be doing it in-house, but it's, you know, our product. Um, but taking it one step further than that, the way that we've been presenting it is, you know, in the current market with brokerage firms, margins are shrinking dramatically. And unfortunately, you're seeing the news, brokerage firms are cutting back on marketing budgets, they're cutting back on, you know, administrative costs, all those different things. And so what we do is we, we can swoop in and point out to the brokerage that, listen, we're going to provide all the things that you already want to provide, but you simply don't want to pay for them because of the fact that the market is, you know, is being squeezed so tightly. You know, agent commissions keep having to go up because of the fact that there's so much competition. Um, and, and, and that, you know, unfortunately limits the offerings that a lot of these firms can provide. And, you know, we've seen that, especially the smaller firms. These firms can't afford anymore to do, you know, what the Compasses, the Corcorans and, you know, the large, uh, larger brokerage of the world can do because the cost per head when you divide it over 100 agents is not viable unless you divide it over 1,000. Uh, and so that's where we can kind of come in and offer products that they, uh, they want to do, but they simply don't have the, you know, the ability to. And, you know, that's where we're going to be. We're in the process of working on uh, potentially acquiring, a, you know, a lead generation business so that we can actually help agents get, you know, get business. Um, you know, our, our whole goal is not to be uh, competition with brokerages, but actually to work, you know, in conjunction with them. Um, and I'll, I will tell you an anecdote. We had a brokerage that we were working with that, uh, you know, wasn't particularly excited about our product. And ironically enough, we ended up uh, financing their side of commissions so they could open a new office in a different market. So, you know, we're, we, we also offer that as an opportunity where if you're a smaller firm and you're looking to open an office, listen, you have commissions coming to you just like the agents do. So we're willing to work with you as well. Cool. I think that's a good place to end. Um, you know, we said 30 minutes and we're, we're over that. So um, maybe just last question is, is if we have brokers, which we certainly do listening to this, um, what's the best place for them to go to, to learn more and to contact you guys if they're interested in, in using your services? Uh, so, I mean, our main website right now is rltycap.com. Uh, that domain is really more so directed at the commission business, uh, but you will see that we're starting, you know, a lot of the services that we're adding on are being uh, promoted there. Um, but that's, that's the easiest point of contact. You know, we've got a call center, we've got a chat option there that they can ask, you know, any questions at any time. Um, and, you know, it, we're going to be having a new domain rolling out pretty soon where the healthcare component is layered into it. But uh, right now, rltycap.com. And and if you're on Facebook, I was just kidding. Facebook still exists. It's just a healthy social I, I media. I thought that, that was one of the comments where uh, I had to call it meta. I, I still refer to it as Facebook. And now, and now there's there's was threads on Facebook or is it? I, I haven't gone on it yet. I think it's on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah we, I, I, I just tech savvy, but that seems like another layer that I'm not ready for. Let's name as many social media channels as possible in 30 seconds. Go. All right. Well, uh, Briggs, this was uh, this is great, super informative, an area of financing that I certainly was not aware of. And again, we deal with agents on a pretty regular basis, so I think a, a really um, useful tool potentially for agents, brokers, developers, and they should look you up and talk to you and find out more about your company. So we appreciate the time and uh, hopefully we could chat again soon. 
thank you both as well and uh, happy to help however we can. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.